Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Thank you so much for joining us on this special live edition of some Q&A questions that we're going to be going over that we received from our Patreon page. We actually received a number of questions, and for this one, we're only going to be able to go through about five or six of them because it usually takes a little bit of time, and we don't want to give you little short answers as best as we possibly can. So with me today to discuss all these important questions, really some really good ones that came in, is none other than the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. I'm looking forward to this, man. We have to always try to find that balance between not giving just a trite, you know, 10-word answer and not going too deep where we only answer one question. Sometimes we have questions that are that need that kind of attention, but we think we cover five or six with sufficiency today. No, I, and amen. we'll get some more in a couple yeah. weeks or so. No, yeah, exactly. And and we want to we want to do uh, some more of these actually. Some Q and A's also with our live audience, which we'll be doing that as well coming up. But uh, we wanted to give a chance to some of those that are on Patreon that have been supporting us because we've done a number of these, and every time it's been just quite fruitful because you guys have some really great questions and we love to be able to go over them and it's a great thing and one of the things that's great about having this ministry and being able to do these shows that we've been doing now for a few years a couple years now uh, one of the great things is the fact that I, I know Joe as a pastor these are questions that you have that happen a lot of times after messages and so forth but it's not like you can go up and give, you know, a polemic answer to this or an apologetic answer to this with every single sermon because you want to deal with feeding the sheep and working exegetically through the Word of God. And so it is really nice to be able to have this show with Good Fight Radio Show and be able to just sit down and kind of have these conversations that are stuff that I know that you're having already as a pastor anyways. Yeah, no, that's, that's so true. Uh, sometimes we open up the service. We'll have a whole service where, hey, ask any question that's on your mm -hmm. heart. And we'll go to the scripture and so forth. We have a great time. Sometimes we've brought in our live stream audience on that. And they've uh, you've taken some questions from them. So we mix them with our audience and what have you. But the great thing about this is the platform. There's just a lot of clarity. Uh, and the really neat thing, too, is we've kind of bagged a bunch of questions through the years, last few years on this show. And we've got them kind of categorized where you can go to a, a web page. And you can click on so many different uh, questions that were given. I'm not sure if we built the one that has all the audio answers. But we'll get on that, right, Tony? <laughs> if we haven't done that, you know, uh, with the Q&A yet. But uh, I know that we have a lot of, the, and Chad sends a lot of the answers in this form to people that have questions. That way they get a kind of a, you know, kind of a, a strong biblical answer to these questions, which they need. They, you know, it's not just, it's hard to take one or two minutes out because there's different arguments and so forth that you have to cover. So it's important that we deal with them at least sufficiently. And those that need more attention, we try to give more time to. No, amen. And that's what is so great. And, and hopefully you guys get your uh, theological T's crossed and your I's dotted today. And we'll go over a number of different subjects. And we will be touching on what you guys will see in the title card here regarding whether or not demons can actually possess Christians, which is a really good question. There's a lot of popular channels. Some people send us links to even and so forth. 
that people really not only believe that, but they practice that, and then they're really falling into what's called this deliverance ministry uh, that so many people are calling themselves. And so we do want to deal with that subject, and we're going to be dealing with that. That'll actually be the last question that we go over in our show tonight. So we want to welcome all of our live audience. Thank you guys so much for coming alongside Good Fight. I know for me, Joe, I was gone. I missed a show last week. I think that might have been one of my first ones I've I've missed, but I know you did a great show. I listened to it on the way home uh, from my 10-year anniversary. You, bro, but, but praise God. <laughs> I know. I saw the uh, video, and I'm like, man, there's an empty chair there. This is uh, ominous over here, but it was great. It was a great teaching. So if you guys missed that, make sure you guys check that out regarding Satan versus Jesus and really who's winning the war there. Who we know. and how. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Amen. And so we're going to be doing a lot of, with uh, both subjects, really, with how Satan uh, has fooled people. Um, some wrong doctrine that has gotten into the church, and a lot of different aspects. So we want to welcome you guys for that. And also, guys, we are so excited and because Tony was working on this, and I got a it sent to us. It looked like some pretty cool stuff uh, on our merch page. We finally got a merch page up. Even YouTube's allowing us to have one. And I believe, and Tony will give me a thumbs up if I'm saying it right because I forgot to put it in my notes, but I've, I believe it's merch.com goodfight.org. Is that right? So that's not too bad. You just put a merch dot. Tony's giving me a thumbs up. So I think I'm doing all right here. Merch.goodfight.org. You guys can check that out and get into some of the merch that we got now. A lot of the shirts that we wear and stuff like that are on there as well. Not so much, Joe. That was made customs by James Evans for all the guys at Blessed Hope Chapel. I got one too. So one of the sermons I taught, I got to teach in one of those. But nonetheless, Joe, let's get into our first question because this one is an end times question. Somebody uh, regarding specifically Matthew 24. And if you want to look at what is known as the Olivet Discourse, you can look at Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. But Matthew 24, this question is actually from Montique. I hope I'm saying your name correct. If not, you can rebuke me in the messages on patreon.com slash goodfight and let me know, Montique. And this is the question. Hi, Goodfight Ministries. I have a question about Matthew 24, 16 through 20. It says... Therefore, when you see the, abomina- the abomination of desolation, which was spoken through of through the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get things out that are in his house. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. But pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on a Sabbath. My question is that this is meant for all Christians or just those in Israel. I had a conversation with someone recently, and they had said that this was meant for all Christians, that we all should flee. Can you let? Uh, can you please let me understand this? Right, and even uh, we, and even we might even isolate it to those in Judea, which is yeah. just, you know the southern. A southern portion of Israel. Uh, it's, a, it's a great question, and uh, while some passages can have a specific reference, that definitely can have wider application. Uh, to say that this uh, this absolutely applies to everybody, and everybody must leave their home uh, when the, the, the crisis the temple showed himself that God just everybody around the planet split somewhere else, you know, uh, is going beyond what the scriptures actually say. And uh, it says, "Let those who are in Judea, okay." And especially when we look at other references to the end times and how believers are to uh, respond, uh, there's actually, it's not a one-size-fits-all. It depends on your circumstances. It depends 
uh, the Lord's leading of a specific person in a certain circumstance as well. Uh, so, but so let's kind of really look into this. If someone's saying, "Hey, uh, Mutik, you know, you you need to make sure if you're, you you know wherever you're living at that time that you bolt to the wilderness when the Antichrist uh, sits in the temple," uh, you know, how does that apply to your life? And uh, that person is telling you that I might respond to the person as I thought about your question by asking them, "Hey, uh, you know, what if that person you're talking to happens to be in, you know, uh, let's say for instance the Antarctica?" And I told that person, hey, you're supposed to leave Antarctica. And they say, why? And I read Revelation chapter 18, verse 4. And it says, you know, um, it specifically uh, states that, you know, uh, to, that they're supposed to remove themselves from a specific area. Uh, let my people, you know, come out of her, lest she partake of her sins and of her plagues. So you're supposed to come out of Antarctica. And they would respond if they know the scripture. And I would never say that, by the way. But for the sake of argument, if I said that, if they know the scripture, they'll say, wait a minute, that verse 18.4 of Revelation, that those who are in, you know, in her, well, you go to the beginning of the chapter there, uh, context refers to Babylon, that those who are in her come, that might, you know, come out of her list, you partake of her sins and her plagues. That doesn't refer to me in that article. And I said, no, this applies to everyone. Well, that person would actually be right by saying, no, it doesn't apply to Antarctica. It's mentioning specifically those who are in Babylon and specifically talked about what's called Musterion in the Greek Babylon, Mystery Babylon spiritually called Babylon. So uh, that would be a misuse of the text in Revelation 18.4, just like it's a misuse of the text in uh, when he says specifically to those who are in Judea to flee to the mountains, you know? So uh, that person wouldn't really have a good leg to stand on. Now, if one could say, hey, you're in the really pagan area, you know, and this area is going to be judged by God, and, and you know it's going to happen because you have other biblical references, and, and you could apply Revelation 18.4 to a, uh, an area that's going to be destroyed by God in the tribulation period, and you could say, hey, this might apply to you in this area. And you and you have to be careful and not say it does absolutely apply to you because then you're going beyond the Scripture. And uh, so we do want to apply Scripture. to This is one of those theological questions is, what does the grammar say? What is God specifically saying here? And does there have wider, is there wider uh, application uh, to that question. First of all, if you're in Antarctica, for instance, you tell someone who's in Antarctica, Antarctica and I think there's only like four or 5,000 people that live there, uh, and it's usually seasonal, and they're usually working in these, you know, laboratories and stuff like that because it's so freezing cold there. But you say to those folks, man, you know what? When the, it, You know some Christians there, hey, you've got to split right now and flee to the wilderness. You know, and they're in Antarctica uh, because look what Jesus said. And they say, no, it says those are in Judea. And it says, well, he says, watch out because he says, so you pray that doesn't happen in the winter. Well, in Antarctica, you know what? Uh, summer is pretty much like the winter. I mean, it's freezing temperatures throughout a lot of the summer as well. And he says, and pray that your flight not be on the Sabbath. Well, how would the Sabbath relate to those who are in Antarctica? And why would you pray that doesn't happen on the Sabbath if you live in Antarctica? You would definitely pray that it's not on the Sabbath even to this day or in the winter in Jerusalem and Judea. Uh, why would you? Well... Uh, for instance, in, if, if it happens in the winter, uh, you know, you have mild summers and, win, uh, and, and springs and somewhat falls in, in Judea. But when winter comes, it can be really, really hard to travel. What about the Sabbath? Well, if you're in Judea on the Sabbath and you live in an Orthodox a Jewish neighborhood to this day, you decide to drive your car through their neighborhood, you know, uh, you could be stoned to death. Uh, also, I'll say this. If you're in a building on the Sabbath right now today, uh, they have these these elevators, Shabbat elevators, uh, where Sabbath elevators, 
where on the Sabbath, they take forever. Uh, what they do is they stop at every single floor, okay? Uh, every single floor you go to. So if you're in Israel, and I've been there a number of times, if it's on Shabbat and, you, you know, you're stopping at every floor, uh, because what they, you know, the Orthodox Jews are against elevators and, and actually, oh, it's a work if you, if you push a button. So they're on automatic. So these elevators are automatic. So they have to hit every floor because no one's allowed to hit a button. So they don't miss anybody. And they don't just stop really briefly at a floor. They stop and they leave plenty of time for people to get on and off. Then they go to the next floor. It takes quite a while. So if the Antichrist sit in the temple, you're like, man, I got to obey Jesus. And you're in the uh, Crown Plaza, for instance, which is like 21 stories high. Although they stop at, they have two different elevators and they stop at every other floor. One stops at even floors, one stops at uh, every odd floor. That way it goes twice as fast. And if you're in that elevator, you've got you're on the highest floor, you know, you've got to go 10, 11 floors to go down and you got to wait forever. And by that time, I mean, you're cooked maybe, you know, because they're like, you know, capturing all those who they know are Christians or what have you and opposed to the Lord. Uh, so pray that it's not on the Sabbath. By the way, there's like 70,000 or so apartments higher, that are in buildings, apart, apartments uh, in Israel. And there's like, hmm, uh, I think it's 30,000 uh 30,000 five-star hotels. Uh, so your uh, hotel rooms, I should say. And so a lot of people are going to be the quandary. So yeah, if I'm in Judea, man, I want to know, you know, uh, if it's on, you know, I want to pray that it's not on the Sabbath, it's not in winter, you know, and so forth. Uh, so I think that's very, very important to understand. And also I think, Chad, uh, I, and I wrote a couple things down as far as that just I prayed about, you know, through the years and uh, how do you react? And I want to make sure uh, if the Antichrist appears in our time, that I have the, I want to be led by the Spirit. And I want to say, what, what's best for me? I want to say, Lord, what's most glorifying to you? Uh, if I'm in Judea, I don't have to think twice about it because Jesus gave specific instructions. I'm taking off. Uh, what if I'm right here in, in California? What if I'm in Antarctica? What if I'm already in the wilderness? Do, you know, you don't flee to a wilderness if you're in a wilderness. So it wouldn't apply to you as well, Matthew 24, verses uh, 15 through 20. So, you know, uh, when I was a young Christian, Young, you know, I was like, wow, you know, you know, a, a brother in the Lord. He wasn't a brother when he first whipped out the books. Cousin of mine I was witnessing to from Pennsylvania was visiting, but years later he came to Christ. And but he initially had an idea. He's like, hey, look, we could build a cabin in the side of a, in the side of a, you know, a cliff. That way, planes go over, you know. And that that whole idea. And it was, it was, it, it was, it was cool that he's even thinking about end times because even though the Lord was first witnessing to him, uh, but I, I said, hey, I've got people I've got to share the gospel with. None of my family was saved. None of my friends were saved yet. No, I was the only Christian I knew, and I was witnessing him. He wasn't a believer at the time. I said, I'm not going anywhere, man. I've got a witness to Jesus, a witness for Jesus. And so in time, uh, you know, I continued to seek the Lord, and I started to see in Scripture, wow. You know, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, they persecute you once and you go to the next. So that might apply to me. Get persecuted? Okay, like right now I live in California. A lot of my brothers and sisters are moving out of California because it's so wicked here in the pol politics and everything. Well, I'm still able to preach the gospel. I'm still able to stand against sin and rebellion. If I get to a point where I'm not allowed to preach the gospel anymore, okay, well, then I wipe my feet, you know, uh, at that point, if the Lord directs me to go to another city or place, or he might lead me before that. I don't know, but I want to be, uh, I want to preach the gospel, and I want to continue to preach it. Uh, Jesus talked about also in Matthew chapter 24 that they'll bring you for, you know, leaders, right? And Mark 13, Matthew 24, Luke 21 uh, Jesus said, don't premeditate what you're going to say at that time because he says this Father, and, and I think Mark 13 says the Holy Spirit, his Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all involved in this, will give you words to speak. 
So how do I know the Lord doesn't want me hiding in the wilderness because I'm not in Judea, but he wants me to go before the civil leaders and tell them you need to repent in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because you are serving the Antichrist. That's before the mark comes out. After they've got the mark, it's going to be too late, right, uh, for them. So it might be that, Chad. It might be a, a scenario where you go from city to city. It might be a scenario where Revelation 13, 8 through 10, talks about those who are to be killed with the sword will be killed with the sword. Captivity, those who are going captivity. to captivity, yes, we're going to captivity. Saints, yeah. So some will have prison ministries. Don't be in captivity. Don't be in the wilderness. Some will testify by losing their head. And that and look at those guys, man. You read about them in Revelation chapter 20, man. And they're they're given special seats, it appears, in the at the great at, uh, prior to the great white throne judgment, and they'll reign and rule with Christ. Well, I'll reign and rule with Christ for a thousand years, but those guys are highlighted, those who lost their heads, right? And weren't raptured until well, the rapture came and they were resurrected. They, the dead in Christ rise first, so they'll actually go up first, you know? So and then you also have those mentioned in Isaiah 25 and 26. He talks about when his wrath falls during the tribulation period, the mini apocalypse. It's pretty heavy. He says to go in your house and wait till my indignation passes over you. You know, I mean, that, that's not talking about those in Judea because when I rightly divided the word of truth, Judea, you split. But there's other parts of Israel, right? There's, pe there's people of God everywhere that are reading the scripture and some may be able to just stay in their homes. Maybe they've got food and they're, they're off the grid to a degree or God supernaturally protects them and, um, and his wrath passes over them because we're not appointed to wrath and they either are arrested and killed or guess what, and persecuted or they, or they continue to uh, trust the Lord and, until the Lord comes back at his second coming. So I think uh, it's not a one-size-fits-all. And that's why I, I like that, too, because the Lord just doesn't want us to give some, something that we— He wants us to seek him in prayer, too. You know, He wants us to see his truth and say, okay, he wants a relationship with us. Where we look at his truth, we also say, hey, Lord, what do you want me to do at this time? And the, more we get, the closer we get to Jesus and the more we see the spiritual reality of who he is, and that becomes— the ultimate reality to us, because it is the ultimate reality. It's about us accepting that. The easier it is to face, face death and not fear. I'm at the point by the grace of God in my life, and I hope to continue uh, to be this way, uh, that you want my head, you could take it, you know? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Annihilation is glorification, you know? And uh, I'm, you know, I if I see something happening, I pray, Lord, like even if it's some gal being attacked by some dude, I'm always praying, Lord, help me just have the courage, even if it cost me my life, to go into a situation to make sure I don't back off because so many people are backing off, helping people these days and so forth. And it's hard. And I pray that because guess what? We all have it within us also to do the wrong thing. That's why we got to pray that you don't enter into temptation. Amen. So it's a great, great uh, question, uh, Montique, and, uh, Montique. And we just praise the Lord that you're thinking about these things because these are things we should really, really consider. I hope that helps. Yeah, amen. And these things are really important for us to understand. Context is always king. And so we want to always make sure that we are digging right into that context. All right, Joe, we better get to the next question because the first one only took 20 minutes to get through. So we will get moving a little faster. All right, this one comes from Dominique Ferrier. And what the question they had was, quote, I'm unsure how to word this with better articulation, so I'll just go for it. I've heard that COVID-19 was a manufactured bioweapon created with snake venom and that the virus and vaccine were distributed to taint our DNA with genetic material of the serpent. I got the vaccine at the very beginning of my Christian walk after succumbing to pressure from my husband. I was saved this past autumn. Will Jesus forgive me for taking the vaccine against my gut instinct? I know it isn't the mark of the beast, but I feel like my DNA is now an abomination. I know now that living in our Bibles is so important as Christians 
so that we can be discerning of the times and endure until the end and not fall away. I hope you see this question as I'm incredibly concerned. Now, Joe, this one has to be an important question to answer. One, uh, from the pain here, obviously, of somebody believing that their DNA has now become so tainted that they're now part serpent or something. And to actually be convinced of that, it's heartbreaking because this is something that people are putting out these videos and stuff. And I'm sure some people are well-meaning in wanting to warn against that. I mean, you're talking to two people, neither of which got vaccinated because of our convictions. But nonetheless, other people then taking it to such a far extreme that next thing you know, we have half serpents walking around because they took a vaccination and that doesn't seem brotherly at all nor do i think that's sane to even believe but nonetheless joe let's try to give an answer here here about she brand new believer gets a vaccine now she's thinking hey there may be some some snake venom in there i'm becoming part part serpent and will god forgive her for this yeah and that's this is one of those things that just breaks my heart which i've seen over and over again is uh, you have these theories being spun that are putting people under condemnation. A lot of people are saying, hey, this is the mark of the beast. So you had professing Christians like, oh, I took the mark of the beast, I'm damned, you know? And guess what? When you make somebody feel condemned who's not being condemned by God, I mean, look what happened to Moses when he, you know, hit the rock and he was angry and, and God said, that wasn't my heart toward them. You just misrepresented me. And well, these guys aren't just showing God as being angry. They're showing people as being damned and that God's going to condemn people by saying it's the mark of the beast. Some of them are saying, others are saying, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're hybrid now, you're satanic hybrid, you're part reptilian now. Uh, and, and, you know, your, your, your DNA is an abomination because, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was, you know, serpent or Satan, you know, venom that was injected into you. And it just breaks my heart from a pastoral or just any brother or sister. It should break your heart to see people that are, are, are under a sense of, uh, condemnation when they shouldn't be uh if this sister sister if 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 you uh you know if dominique if if you felt that it was wrong to take the vaccination and you did the bible says anything not done romans 14 and not done in faith is sin okay so i'm not saying i'm not saying oh anybody who took the vaccination it's sin i'm saying if you felt it was sinful and you did it then you have to ask the lord for forgiveness because uh, you know, you, you 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 felt you were doing something wrong, and you did it anyway. So your conscience was then, you know, you know, your conscience your conscience then became guilty. So you have to say, Lord, I'm sorry for doing something. If that's the case, I don't know if that was the case, but if that was the case when you took it, just you just tell your Lord, you're you're sorry, Lord. I, I, I'm sorry I did something I thought was against you, whether it was or not. I shouldn't have done it if I thought it was against you. That's Romans 14. We read about that. So it's important. Uh, from a pastoral perspective, that that you that you experience healing there and realize you're not condemned, okay? Uh, uh, when you ask for forgiveness and so forth, but I don't believe at all that it is a uh, you know. I think this guy uh, Brian Artis, I think is his name, uh, a chiropractor, retired chiropractor. Uh, you, you know, he's I think making some money off of this, and you're referring to the video on Rumble, the guy on Rumble. Okay. I mean, they three million views plus three million plus views. Uh, it's gone viral just recently. It's in the news right now and everything. Is Brian Artis is claiming that uh, it's not a virus, actually. You know, even when conservatives that are against, you know, the vaccinations are conservative doctors saying, no, it's definitely a virus. Say, no, no, not, it's not a virus. He said he actually saw a, a Netflix TV show. Uh, it's on Netflix now, but remember, Blacklist. Uh, I think I don't know, 
CBS or NBC, whatever, Blacklist. He was watching it, and the main, uh, what was going on there is somebody was poisoning the water supply with, uh, with sn- snake venom. And he said, that's it. That's it. This is really snake venom. It's not a virus at all. And the water supply around the world is being polluted with snake venom. That's a lot of snakes, guys. Okay, and they're polluting it with snake venom, and then the snake venom is getting in people, and it's changing their DNA. You know, and so right there, I mean, he's so whether vaccination or not, he's saying if you're just drinking the water and you get COVID nineteen, you know, uh, you could you know have uh, this hybrid. Uh, anybody who's got COVID nineteen has this. This I just I don't understand how people will come to that conclusion and still try to claim they believe in the sovereignty of God as if people accidentally are drinking water yeah. and then becoming part serpent or something. Yeah, and the justice of God, right? You accidentally yeah. drank some water and now you're part serpent and damned. That's not the God yeah, of the Bible. You know? ridiculous. So that is ridiculous. In fact, he's suggested the, the Roman Catholic Pope and the Catholic Church is behind it and then they got work in cahoots with the CDC. <laughs> yeah, Catholics got a lot bad going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, uh, he said this after he watched Blacklist. He said, I realized something. I realized how they've been spreading this. I mean, the, the TV show? Yeah, he watched it because it was the water being poisoned and he goes, that was, that's it. That's what they've done, you know. I'm convinced that COVID-19 is not a respiratory virus of any kind, he says. It's actually venom poisoning. And he goes on to say uh, they are using crepe venom and cobra venom, calling it COVID-19. You're drinking it. It's getting into your brainstem, and it's paralyzing you, your diaphragm's ability to breathe. Is that interesting? <laughs> it's like, wow, what tails we spin, man. God forbid. Uh, you know, it's interesting, too, because he looked at a study. And he, he, he cherry picks little lines here and there and he weaves them together into this tapestry of deception. He looks at a study and he sees that the genetic makeup of the Indian cobra, this was a study conducted by uh, Gus Wright and others at Texas AM, AMM University. And he says that the genetic makeup of the, of, of the venom of, of this particular Indian cobra has 19 different venom toxins. Oh, that's why it's called COVID-19. Now, the video had nothing to do with COVID-19. It was just saying of this particular snake, it has 19 different toxins. He goes, hence, that's why it's called COVID-19. No, I think it's called COVID-19 because SARS-2 was discovered in 2019, okay? So it's just a ridiculous theory. In fact, Gus Wright of Texas A&M University, who uh, co-authored the study, he states that, quote, uh, uh, and this would be funny if it wasn't so sad what they're doing. He has no, he says the study in no way has any association with COVID-19, right? And he, he says that, uh, Gus Wright says of artists, Brian Artist, his distortions are, quote, not only disturbing and outrageous, but it's absolutely incorrect. Uh, so it's just, it's, just, it's just crazy stuff. So it's interesting, too. He says that uh, in, in, the, in the Latin, he claims that coronavirus pand- pandemic, and this is what they do, they'll go to another language, and if a language has some lucidity to it or some range, range of meaning, you can have different meanings to certain words and they'll take whatever they can to try to make it fit. Well, he doesn't really do that. He says that the, that uh, coronavirus or coronavirus pandemic in Latin really means this, the Pope's venom pandemic or King Cobra venom, venom pandemic. Really? How do you go from a word meaning co- Pope to King Cobra? And he says pandemic and it's just like, it's so ridiculous. He's saying what's happening is it's in the water, and then when you get COVID nineteen, and then the vaccinations too uh, can implement it as well. Is that you're getting this this venom? And well, guess what? The, he he knows how to fix it though. I mean, because when you have this, if if it's a big deception, 
You know, how do you fix it? Well, you need an anti-V, you know, an anti-venom kit, right? Because that'll set you free. So guess what he sells online? No, he doesn't. The anti-V venom kit, oh, right? Man. Or the anti-V kit, it's called. And, and I'm not what sure What would you do saying, without that? Yeah, and I'm not sure he's saying, hey, this is what you, you have to get, get, get. But the implication is obvious, and I'm sure he's getting a lot of, lot of, uh, lot of bias. People are coming to that, that conclusion. Uh, there's selling the uh, Seychelles water filters, claiming that these Seychelles water filters are especially designed where they can filter out venom. So people are like, man, let me, and guess what? Uh, and others, they're selling uh, the Seychelles water system uh, because it filters out this venom from these snakes, uh, these poisonous snakes, so you won't get, uh, you know, this this COVID-19. It's interesting, Seychelles, though, they're selling above the retail price, making some bank, you know? And uh, by the way, the company, Seychelles, says any claims by any individual or group that uh, that any uh, Seychelles filter is effective against snake venom are not backed by Seychelles. <laughs> and this claim is not supported by Seychelles test data. In fact, they don't have any evidence that they're water filters. But guess what? You can make a bunch of money off of these conspiracy theories, and a lot of Christians are being uh, deceived and so forth. And please don't just read things and you know watch things that are taken out of context and, and stick with the scripture. And it's, it's broken my heart over and over again because I've seen people feel condemned, like the gal that wrote in. And this is serious, serious stuff, man. Because people are bringing condemnation on people, and the motivation at times is to make money. I don't know the motivation of this guy, but it looks pretty bad, you know, uh, with what he's doing. And they're thinking, oh man, I drank this water. Now my my DNA is is, is you know a, a satanic hybrid. In fact, it's interesting. I got a great quote from him that's just you know, uh, where he just literally talks about. Uh, he says, "I believe the king cobra venom, the king cobra venom." And I think they want to get that venom inside of you and make you a hybrid of Satan. So the whole thing is making you a hybrid of Satan. And so you drink water and then you become an abomination to God and you're defiled by drinking the water. Well, listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 17. Do, not, do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. There's false witnessing going on by that way. He's, the man needs to repent because he's defiled. Uh, slanders. These are the things which defile the man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. That's just, uh, and, and I encourage my sister, you know, Dominique, if you feel even like, have I been defiled in some way? Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not true what they're saying, but if you feel am I, I defiled... You know what they did? You know what they did when the Israelites were uh, smitten and bitten by venomous snakes and they were dying? Moses put up a pole and uh, he put a serpent on that pole, which represented God's wrath, which was attacking them. And it was a picture of the wrath of God falling upon his son later. And everybody looked to the pole was healed. Well, Jesus used that and says, as Moses was lifted up in the we lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whoever believes him shall not perish but have eternal life. Look to Jesus, okay? Look to Jesus because he's the answer for everything. And his word gives us a light on these frauds and reveals them as such. Isaiah chapter 8, I'll leave you with a couple of verses, uh, 12 and 13. Do not call conspiracy everything these people call conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear. Do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one uh, you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. Would be that these people that are making up these, these malicious uh, stories... And by the way, as Chad said, he and I, we both didn't take the, the vaccination, okay? We both have convictions against taking 
the vaccination. I have convictions for various reasons. For instance, uh, the, the whole you know thing about uh, fetuses being used. And I'm not saying that if you take it, you have fetus baby parts in you. I don't know because I've read so many things that are contradict one another. Uh, but I do know that that's how they start off with these things. And I just don't feel peace about that. I don't feel there's a, a slew of reasons I personally uh, have not taken the vaccination. And I just tr- trust myself, Lord. But I don't condemn people that haven't said, you got the mark of the beast or you're a hybrid of Satan. Uh, because that's not what the Bible teaches either. He's, uh, and also we read this. And Mr. Artist needs to take this to account. 2 Peter 2, 1 through 3. But there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. It's exactly what's happening. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction uh, will not be delayed. Uh, to whatever degree that passage fits this gentleman, if I can use the word, uh, he needs to repent, man, because he's putting people under condemnation. And he's also, and it says, they'll exploit you with things they've made up, you know, and many will follow their teachings. And he says, it says because of these teachers, the truth will be slandered. So you have non-believers yeah. saying, this is Christianity? It's making Christianity look like a joke, you know? And praise God, we have the truth and we have the remnant of genuine believers who follow the Lord to the end. But what a shame this is. No, I, I think that's so important because here's the thing, and this happens to us all the time at Good Fight Ministries. We'll expose wickedness, and Joe, you've been doing it a lot longer than I have, and you will quote them from their own mouth saying those statements, and then somebody will equate that to some wild video they saw online of Justin Bieber being uh, a, a, you know, a reptile or something. And it's like, no, here's the problem. You are getting the truth maligned with your nonsense bad research and just horrible and guys we know there are conspiracies going on we yeah. recognize that we're not wrestling we against flesh and blood exposed. we did two episodes on the great reset okay so we're not saying that these things don't happen and that with everything that's been poured out and the fact that on the the you know flip of a switch they decide when covid matters or not <laughs> huh. uh, we're not saying that there aren't nefarious plans and usages and gain-of-function research that took place in China and so forth. We believe all of that is probably true, at least a lot of it. But to then go to this scenario where you're getting into just wackiness that goes away from the sovereignty of God, goes away from the scriptures, whether that's this, whether we're talking about people that believe that the Bible's been changed so much that we can't even read a paper Bible because CERN Mandela affected the entire Bible. Now we don't have the Word of God, even though God promises over and over again that He preserves His Word that is unperishable, but it's perishing. All of these things are such a radical distraction from the Word of God, from the truth of the Gospel, and it breaks my heart because not only do we get maligned, which is no big deal to us, and get put alongside some of the people putting out these videos, but actually the truth gets maligned. And people don't take you seriously when you share truth of the gospel. And so you want to make sure that the things that you're sharing are true, whatever is lovely, whatever is true first, okay? We want to make sure that what we believe is true and have that discernment. All right. So with all that, the next question we have, we have two questions actually from Elizabeth. And she said, quote, 
I love all the thought-provoking questions. Look, looking forward to hearing what you select for the episode. I know you can't touch on all of these for the show, but a few of mine. How do we battle pragmatism in the church, particularly with the rise of, seek, of the seeker-friendly movement that's so results-focused? So often when I call things out, I hear that something works or the ministry is, quote, successful or it's clearly blessed. I can't get people to research the roots or background beliefs behind teachings or teachers. All they're willing to see is the surface. Now, this is something that, I mean, just going out and sharing the gospel, wherever country we go to, still people that follow, you know, things like Benny Hinn and Hillsong, well, they're crumbling right now, but uh, Bethel or whatever it may be. Over the years, when somebody has a big following, they say, well, look at how much God has blessed them. Right? I guess they haven't uh, looked at Psalm 73 at all. But nonetheless, when we look at this and we see it, this is a common argument. We look at the pragmatism. They're seeking out. They're getting numbers. Therefore, they're blessed by God because they have numbers. I guess that'd be true of Islam too, right? But yeah, anyways. I was thinking the same thing as you said. I was thinking, you know, Mormonism, Islam, yeah. a lot of movements that are burgeoning, uh, that seem successful. Does that mean they're blessed by God? No. They could be blessed by the devil, you know. Uh, they could be, you know, inspired by Satan. Uh, sometimes things are, you know, pragmatism is the idea of, you know, if it works, if it, if it brings useful results, you know, it must be good. Uh, but when you apply that to theology and the faith and uh, you don't look at the deeper picture, because a lot of times pragmatism is based on uh, surface type of results. And certainly that's happening in the church. It's plagued the church right now. I mean, the Bible talks about in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and then verses 46 and following how the early church, they continued in the apostles' teaching, you know, the doctrines of the, they, they preached the word, you know, and in prayers, right, and in fellowship, koinonia, and the breaking of bread, and it talked about how God continued to add to the numbers they grew from, well, guess what? Well, that's not pragmatic anymore because people don't want to sit and listen to sermons and hear, hear the word of God, you know, we need to bring entertainment, we need to, like Hillsong, bring the naked cowboy to the women's retreat, you know, where the guys barely weren't anything, you know, we need to do these kinds of things, we need to entertain people to get them off the streets, and, and you know, we need to, you know, by the way, I know there's a great example, a few great examples of that is uh, in Charisma Magazine, you know, an article called Wasted Time. Uh, Jamie Buckingham, uh, popular in the charismatic community. That means wasting less time listening to long sermons. <laughs> you know, wow, he'd have been really in trouble when a guy that fell out of that at midnight or fell really late and was dead. That yeah, was a some, long sermon. Sometimes right? people will complain about a sermon, but they have no problem watching Zack Snyder's cut for four hours or, yeah, or watching right. Endgame for three hours That's or whatever right. it may be. Yeah. Right. I was just studying you know, the curses, which I'm preaching a message on this Sunday at Mount Ebal because of the uh, archaeological discovery, which tune in if that message if you want to on Sunday because they'll blow you away. That rivals uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls as far as the most important uh, maybe uh, archaeological some believe it's the most important thing that's found in the last you know hundred years or so, and we look at that. But that was, he read the whole law of Moses, <laughs> the whole law of Moses, <laughs> the Jews true. there, you know, Nehemiah. I mean, reading the law there and, and other things, we give examples. But he goes, he goes, you know, less time listening to long sermons and and spending much more time preparing short ones. People I've discovered will forgive very poor or even poor theology as long as they get out before noon. <laughs> I can't believe I read that. I'm like, wow. So, you know, it's it, bad theology that's poor, that's unbiblical, is better than, than taking the Lord's Day out and actually staying till noon, <sighs> past noon. Oh, man, that's, that's, that's the unpardonable sin almost, you think, with some of these guys. So it's just we've reached that time where Paul said, you know, preach the word in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. 
The time will come when they will not heed sound doctrine, but after their own desires, their own lusts, they will heap themselves many teachers who will tickle the ears and tell them what they want to hear. And uh, Paul says, preach the word in season out of season. And he says, endure affliction. He doesn't say, oh, and by the way, make sure your message gets done by noon. You know, uh, it's so ridiculous. It's so sad. Rick Warren has kind of been one of the leaders in this pragmatic form of, you know, counterfeit Christianity. He has a video called Exponential Thinking. And he says, most important principle, most important principle. I don't see this in scripture as being the most important principle. He calls exponential thinking. What does he mean? If you want God to do something really big in your church, you're going to have to apply the principles of exponential thinking as taught in the Bible. So you have to have this exponent. What does that mean? You are not thinking big enough. Add a zero. Because he says, adding a zero to whatever number you have in your mind. So, of course, he's thinking the importance of the church is just how big can you get your church, right? And he says, you are thinking, you aren't thinking big enough. Add a zero. Instead of 3,000, think 30,000. And there's all kinds of pastors who read this drivel and they feel like they're failures if they faithfully teach the word of God and they're encouraging people in the truth and they're speaking the truth in love and so forth and their numbers don't get really big, then they must have failed because they're not thinking exponentially and therefore they must become more pragmatic. So Rick Rick Warren, uh, you know, he talks about how he took a poll in his community, you know, and he said, what kind of music do you want to listen to? And then he said, most people, they wanted rock music. So he says, we got rid of the organ and we did the rock music thing, you know? And I'm not saying the Bible warns against four, four timing. We're like, what says scripture, you know? But what I am saying is we don't worship in a way that makes people happy and makes them feel good. We worship in a way that glorifies God. And whatever. And I'm not saying organ music glorifies God necessarily. It can, it can't. Uh, music with four, four timing can glorify God too but that you would stick your finger in the air and say, what do the people want? Uh, rather than, what does the Lord's word say about worship? You know, It is really uh, a, a very good example of dealing with pragmatism. And Rick Warren gives a few, he's, here's a few examples of Rick Warren's teaching, which I would label as being pragmatic on a theological, but unbiblical and un, 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 unscriptural. He says, uh, Warren says, God won't ask you, when you die, when you stand before him, he won't ask you your religious background or your doctrinal views. So in other words, so I guess if you are a Muslim, if you are a Mormon and you're sitting in this church like, thank you, Rick. God's not going to judge me because I believe Jesus is the spirit brother Lucifer. Thank you, Mr. Warren. Or a JW because I believe that, you know, that Jesus, it was a created being. Or, or you're, you're Muslim there and he's had some really interesting associations with Islam and actually signed an agreement where that you can, we can have peace with one another and that states that Muhammad is a prophet, okay? We got into that. I did a whole article for World Net Daily some years ago that you can find uh, where he literally signed a document, the Common Word document, which says to the Muslims, it's called Common Word document, where it's a common word between us and them. It says in the Quran, make a common word or agreement between us and them that God has no son. And then it's titled with that surah there, denying the Trinity, and Rick Warren signed it. That's pragmatism, Okay. That's, that's saying, okay, this is results. We're going to get peace. And, 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 and his idea about not looking at Bible prophecy because it could be a satanic distraction from the mission God's called us to. But then he supplants that, what Bible says about the future, and says, oh, no, we're getting world peace by joining three things, like a stool that needs three legs. This world peace movement that he's bringing about, that he feels God put in his heart, we unite religion, number one, with 
government number two, and with commerce number three. That's not the kingdom of God. Your pragmatism is leading people right into the new world order of the mark of the beast, man. So this is where it gets really ugly. And right with the gospel itself, Chad, he says not to use the word repentance, you know. But uh, And he says this. He, this is how he leads people to salvation. Quote, you know, you bow your head and then you invite, I invite you to bow your head and quietly whisper the prayer that will change you eternally. Jesus, I believe in you and I receive you. Then he, Rick Warren promises if you sincerely meant that prayer, congratulations, welcome to the family of God. So there's no repentance, there's no necessarily a turning from sin and rebellion. You can be involved in, in, in adultery, you can be involved in, in, in ripping people off, you can be involved in, in, in planning a murder. But as long as you bow your head and say, you know, I believe, in Je- I believe in you, Jesus, you'll leave there saved. And of course, that's pragmatic because your church is going to grow with a lot of people that aren't saved, though. Okay, it's not it's your church, though. It's not God's church when that happens. So how many people are in these churches, especially when they don't believe in correcting false doctrine, okay, because he wants such unity, he wants his numbers to swell, that way you don't preach on doctrine. So, you know, what the Bible says about the second coming, you don't have to preach on the distinction and say, hey, this is what the Bible really teaches, or what the Bible teaches about salvation, you have to say, this is scriptural, this isn't, because non rock a boatitis. if you start to rock the boat, you might lose some people, you might lose some ties, and you might lose whatever else, Whatever it is, I'm not saying that's in his heart, but it's in the heart of a lot of preachers uh, and a lot of preachers that are money-driven and want numbers because they have to pay the rent will compromise the gospel uh, and uh, and they'll follow Rick Warren's teaching. And it's really, really, really heartbreaking, Chad. No, it is. And uh, you know what? We, uh, If you haven't seen this Emerging Church, you can check it out on Amazon Prime. Uh, you can get it there. And guys, and you can obviously get it on goodfight.org. But I really encourage you to check it out. It's much, much deeper even than you've been able to go here. And since well, before then, we get to the next question, yeah. let me let me give an example of a pragmatic church. Yeah. It was very pragmatic. They had they had numbers, man. Mm-hmm. They were successful, it seemed, at Church of Laodicea in Revelation 13, uh, chapter three, verses fifteen through seventeen. You know what Jesus said to that church? Because they were a rich church, man. They were they were popular. He said, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And that breaks my heart because there's countless thousands of people in these secret-sensitive churches that are living wicked behavior. They're, they're, they're gobbling up false doctrine. and They're not being corrected. And they feel they're on the way to heaven. Many of them are still unsaved because they've never truly really repented and and turn to Jesus Christ from a life of rebellion, from that broad road that leads to destruction, to Jesus, who's the way, the truth, the life, and truly embraced him as their Lord and Savior. So this is all very, very heartbreaking. Uh, and what can you do? I mean, on a practical level, how do you, when you and I know it's, uh, it's got to be really tough at times, but remember, they didn't accept Jesus, they crucified him, right? Remember Jeremiah, you know, he didn't have many followers going, look, it's like, wow, did anybody follow his teaching then? But they were both very fruitful. Obviously, Jesus died for the sins of the world, the gospel. Obviously, Jeremiah, now millions and millions of people have been blessed through his ministry. You keep ministering, but you might bring up to them, uh, you might do something shocking. If they don't care about truth, they say, as long as there's results. You might say, hmm, so Moses goes up to Mount Sinai, and we want people to be unified in worship. Can we break out a golden calf and get people to worship it? And, of course, most professing believers say, no, that's ridiculous. That, that's, and you say, why is it ridiculous? Well, it's, again, it's unbiblical. You say, exactly. We need to test everything by Scripture. What, say, what does the word of God say? And then hold them accountable uh, to the scripture. Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 8, that which is highly esteemed among men 
which pragmatism is in the church today, is an abomination to God. We're not talking about things that, that are, are that are scriptural, you know. We don't believe he changed the message at all, though, and that's what's happening. The message of prophecy is being changed, the message of uh, the gospel, repentance is being left out, and so forth. New age things are being brought into the church. Uh, there's a lot of things that are unscriptural, but the method can change as long as the method doesn't contradict the message. I mean, your method might be, let's have the naked cowboy come in like Hillsong. Well, that contradicts the message, too. That's <laughs> yeah. saying that God isn't a holy God. So these are very, very important questions. But uh, the psalmist in Psalm 73, and I'll just close with this, he was like, you know, look at the results he's seen in the wicked and how it says he envied the wicked. And Proverbs says not to envy the wicked. In Psalm 73, he said, I almost fell away. I almost slipped and fell because I envied the wicked. You know, and he saw how they were just, they had all these results, man. They, they're... Their, you know, their their eyes were bulging because they were just so full of food and they had the gold chains and stuff and the rap music and, you know, driving down the road. Not exactly that. I'm kind of bringing it into the modern era. Wow, they must be really successful, man. And here I've denied myself for nothing. And then he said he went into the sanctuary. Okay? Went into God's presence. Hear the word of the Lord. And he saw the end of the wicked. God showed him the end of the wicked and how he puts them in slippery places. So pragmatism fails so often to look at the big picture. And then he realized his end. He said, Lord, you are my portion forever. And that's why it's important to look at the big picture. And that's, But the sad thing is, is most many Christians that go to these churches aren't very deep in the theology and scripture, so they don't even recognize it. And it's been Rick Warren's, and I mentioned him recently in a message because it's his 20-year anniversary, I just found out, of his book on the purpose-driven life. And it's really, uh, so a lot of churches are doing things that, based on that and encouraging people to read his book. So it's resurfacing and that, that venom, that is a venom, has come out and is infecting the church and the church is becoming more like the world. Yeah, and we'll probably have to do something. Uh, somebody very close to us is actually losing their position in ministry. Um, yeah, right, uh, the brother in our fellowship. Of, not losing ministry yeah, here. Not, but, not yeah. with us, but, um, but we, we don't want to get that until he's no longer working at this place, but specifically because of uh, Rick Warren um, and one of his disciples, and I'm no longer allowed to teach somewhere because of Rick Warren, who did say uh, specifically that the Pope is, guess what, your Pope too if you're a Christian, uh, who did speak at the Vatican, who sat down with Bishop Barron and so forth and like he said, all his connections with Chris Lom and all of the other nonsense he's involved in and really a hindrance for the gospel of Jesus Christ and a forked tongue liar. But nonetheless we will move on to the next question um, as Elizabeth had a second question and she said how do we respond to those who read New Age practices into the Bible? For example, a Christian friend says, God created everything, and we just need to reclaim practices from the enemy. Your friend's not Bill Johnson, is it? Anyways, uh, <clears throat> they say everything has a frequency. Gemstones are in Scripture. Therefore, crystals are for healing. Or the wise men saw things in the stars. God said stars are for signs and seasons. Therefore, we can know things about ourselves by the stars and the moons. The New Age practice is only corruption, not actually bad, and we can reclaim it and glorify God instead. So, Joe, we have people repackaging yeah. the scriptures for New Age practices. Right. Man, I just got done reading First Kings. I don't see like oh, this is anything yeah. new under the sun. But, That's but right. nonetheless... Joe, what do we do with somebody who's repackaging uh, New Age practices, just saying, we need to clean off this and we need to put lipstick on this pig? That's a good way to put it, Chad. Elizabeth, another really, really good question. 
Uh, and, and, and just the way she had that question that she's communicating with people that are doing that, it shows you the headway that Bill Johnson of the one of the biggest churches in North America right now in the so-called, you know, revival that's going up not far from us, like, I don't know, six hours from us or so, uh, the effect they're having on saying, hey, we're, we're reclaiming the stuff the New Age movement, show, uh, uh, you know, stole from us. Really? They stole the worship and the, you know, praying to crystals from us. They stole uh, reincarnation from us. They stole, you know, this and that and the other from us. And uh, not that he'd say it stole those things, but he's, he's involved in practices as churches of things that are involved in the, that are in the occult, but they're not in scripture. They weren't stolen. So it's just reprehensible. But it shows that, Chad, that she's getting questions like that or she's dealing with people like that. It shows you how these lies have spread from him and others. Uh, he was one of the co-authors, along with some other authors of The Physics of Heaven, which deals with, as she mentioned, these frequencies, vibrations, and, and stuff in the New Age movement and so forth. And one of the authors of that book talks about how, you know, she went and, you know, looked into the New Age movement because she wanted to say, hey, what can we take from them that they might have taken from us? Instead of looking at the scripture and say, what do you have for us, Lord? Uh, what was she doing, you know? Uh, in fact, uh, Kenneth, Kenneth Hagen uh, or Kenneth Copeland, uh, Benny Hinn, these teachers will teach that, hey, these things that are, in fact, Benny Hinn specifically talks about how the witches use this positive confession, you know, and and Kenneth Copeland says, yeah, the New Agers, the New Agers took it from us, but really, this positive confession is where they actually teach, you know, that you can command God, command him, you know, like he's your genie, and yeah, that's in the New Age movement, but that's not in the scripture. The Bible doesn't tell us that we go around ordering God as our peon what to do. We're supposed to bow before him, recognize he's holy, 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 and say, thy will be done, not mine. And I repent in dust and ashes for what I've done that's contrary to your will. I deserve hell because I've committed high treason against you and everything I've done that's based on my own will has been like an arrow in your heart. Your son had to die for those sins and I repent and I'm ashamed, ashamed of what I've done. I repent. And then we say, God, your will be done, not my will be done. And follow Jesus' example in Gethsemane, follow his teaching, pray, you know, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, not our own will. So it's interesting. I've given an example recently because we're going through on Wednesday nights, we're going through First uh, Timothy, which is a discipleship course basically on Wednesday uh, services. And I talked about because Paul says to Timothy there at Ephesus, I've left you there to command certain people not to teach certain doctrines, strange doctrines. And that word command is a military term, meaning Timothy, as the leader and pastor at church, he did command that certain strange doctrines aren't being taught. Paul, he saw what these guys were doing. I mean, ooh, Lord God. And but, but I mentioned that a lot of times it's the churches hurt more from within than from without. Uh, when you look at Paul, the, the writings of the scripture, there's not so many warnings against persecution. There's warnings to stand up under persecution. But Paul, when you read First and Second Timothy, even though Paul's going to lose his head and it's going to be chopped off in Second Timothy, mentions how he's going to go die for the faith uh, by Nero, he's not all concerned, oh no, you know what? He's more concerned about the false doctrines that have crept in. Jude warns about those who have crept in unnoticed, whose condemnation was wrote, written about long ago, uh, men who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. So these they've crept in. I, I use those as an illustration, the Ming Dynasty. Uh, Great Wall of China, man, over 5,000 miles long, man, 25 feet wide in certain areas and 25 feet high in certain areas, impenetrable by another army, right? Well, guess what? They fell from within because the general opened the gates, allowed armies to come in from without, but it started from within. And the Ming Dynasty fell within, I think, 15, 20 years. A huge 
uh, deal. Well, that's happening in the church. These are these the Trojan horses in the church and the, in the, in the, uh, these false teachers. Bill Johnson in his book, Chat Dreaming with God, he writes when referring to practices that are typical of the New Age movement, quote, many prominent pastors and conference speakers add fuel to the fire of fear of by assuming that because the New Age promotes it, its origins must be from the devil. I find that form of reasoning weak at best. If we follow that line of thought, we will continue to give the devil the tools that God has given uh, us for success in life and ministry. So ministries like ours are saying, hey, look, man, this is, look at the origin of this. This is from Eve, the evil one. It's, it's warned about the Bible. It's even prophesied. Oh, no, you guys, th- these could be tools that we could use for God. Ellen Davis and uh, Judy Franklin, who co-wrote Physics of Heaven uh, with these guys. And it's important to understand uh, the physics of heaven has to do with uh, part of the teaching in that book is that there's a coming revival coming where there's going to be this vibration and you know the physics of heaven part of that has to do with this this vibration that will be felt around the world and we'll just you know and there'll be this unity and so forth and that's been taught in the occult for a long time and that's going to come by the power of Satan before I was a Christian man I had some vibrations man you know uh, when I was going through humming experiences and that ohm deal is what people are trying to mimic when they have that experience I just believe Satan is going to possess so many people that so many people including professing Christian leaders are going to have these experiences and they're going to think it's from God and it's going to bring this false revival but it's interesting because uh, they have a really strong fascination with quantum physics and quantum mysticism Davis notes in the book that quantum physics suggests that everything is vibrations uh, and energy and so forth. And Ellen Davis, one of the co-authors, uh, uh, w- co-authored with Bill Johnson, writes, quote, in the book, uh, that those that, the other contributors to the book, including Bill Johnson, all agree that the next move of God will cause a shift at the deepest level of who we are. Perhaps the very vibration level that the New Age movement has been exploring. They also all agree that there are precious truths hidden in the New Age that belong to us as Christians and need to be extracted from the worthlessness or from that which is or from the worthless. Think what she's saying. The vibration of the New Age is talking about this coming, you know, second Pentecost, as Barbara Marks Hubbard would say, a New Ager, uh, or the planet, planetary Pentecost. Uh, guess who calls it the, the second Pentecost? That's Bill Johnson. She called it planetary Pentecost. They're basically jumping on board with things that aren't scriptural. The Bible talks about a falling away in apostasy, not this great vibration that the church has and unifies with the, the world to be, bring this, you know, this kingdom of God on earth. It's a lie. In fact, going to these New Age books, is that what they did at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20 with their books when, when they realized that these books were about the occult? No. They say, let's explore these and see what kind of tools we can get. What do they do, Chad? I've got more to say about this, but what do they do? Yeah, no, they took it and they combined it together and they burned it. They burned them, they right? They burned it to the ground even though it had a great value at that time. And they burned it to the ground. They wanted nothing to do with these practices. They certain. I wonder which guys wanted to be like, no, let's get that stuff out. Let's make sure we keep it. Because that seems to be what Bill Johnson and, sadly yeah. enough, these people that Elizabeth has been encountering is trying to do. Yeah, and Paul said to that same church in Ephesians 5.11, what do you tell him, Paul? What do you tell him, bro? Ephesians 5.11, have nothing to do with, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather even expose them. And that's what should be done to these false, wicked practices. Yes, amen, bro. John Welton in the same book writes, every time a counterfeit shows up, take it as the Lord's presenting you with an opportunity to reclaim it. The church's stolen property. To reclaim the church's stolen property. So when his wife, Benny Johnson, Bill Johnson's wife, Benny Johnson, who named her, who changed her name so she could name herself after Benny Hinn, believe it or not, 
you know, Lord, help these folks, man, and help those who are being led astray by them. When she started laying on a cot, when they started, her and other people at Bethel up there, and she's, by the way, the leader of the intercessory prayer movement there, when she started laying on graves to get power from these different uh, dead people, totally, you know, God doesn't ever command us to do that. Uh, that, well, guess what? In the New Age and the occult, guess what? They try to get a lot of transference from people who have died in communication with the dead. Uh, when they sing songs like Calling All Angels, well, guess what? We did a whole thing on, uh, on Bethel, on Bethel yeah. and we have a whole section there where they talk about, including Benny Johnson, how there's angels that are dormant. One was like submerged in the concrete, I guess, or whatever, until she called it, they called it forth, and it emerged and says, who has woken me? That's just, it's not only unbiblical and not only demonic and 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 you know dangerous it's just stupid too it's just ridiculous stuff right uh or benny johnson or i should say you know bill johnson himself with a wizard staff saying that this is a replica of, of gandalf's wizard staff and hitting it three times on the stage with other leaders in this nar movement the new apostolic reformation is saying that we're banishing racism and and they only do it twice and the lady says no we have to do it three times like in the movie it's just embarrassing, too. And they do it a third time. They're practicing witchcraft. How is the how are these New Age things that were stolen from God? Do we see uh, a, a wizard using a staff in the Bible and that we're supposed to replicate that and uh, do casting spells? And on and on and on. I mean, I have just a whole list of things that we don't have time to get into. But Betty Johnson, his wife, uh, she says in a, in a book Benny compiled, uh, which is called Prayer House, that, quote, mystics, contemplative prayer it's on chat mystics mystical experiences and contemplative prayer okay and she has a chapter that's quote dedicated to the mystics the contemplatives those now and those who have gone before us so we're talking about getting into uh, a lot of people contemplative prayer by the way we don't have time to really define it we get into that in our submerging church video but is a lot of repetition when Jesus says, don't be repetitious in your prayers like the pagans and so forth. He warns us against that. So these guys are bringing things into the professing body of Christ that are un, absolutely unbiblical. Bill Johnson in this, uh, uh, you know, or Benny, uh, I mentioned already, but think of these different scriptures. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 22, 23, test everything. Hold tight to that which is good. Isaiah chapter 8, it says if they they do not speak according to this word. It's because there is no light in them. According to Bill Johnson, listen to what he says. Those who feel safe because of their intellectual grasp of scriptures enjoy a false sense of security. Wow. Those are the ones that are in trouble. Those are the ones that are sticking to their Bibles, holding tight to what is good. None of us have a, has a full grasp of scripture, but we all have the Holy Spirit. Then he goes on to say a little bit later, to follow him, the Holy Spirit, we must be willing to follow off the map to go beyond what we know. So he's actually saying, get away from God's word. Of course. Don't yeah. feel security in God's word. Get off the map. And and and, and so forth. And well, in 1 Corinthians 4, 6, Paul, or I call you Paul. Well, that's a good compliment, possible, right? <laughs> in 1 Corinthians 4, 6, Chad, uh, Paul writes, do not go beyond, beyond that which what is written. Is written. Yeah. Now, the new apostolic reformation, this is what's scary, is a lot of these guys present themselves and are presented by their followers often as apostles. And the apostles had authority over the early church. And what it, what's happening there is they want authority over the church of the living God today. And they want to say, hey, our supernatural visions supersede the word of God. That's Satan's way of trying to bring in through these super apostles, uh, trying to subjugate you to them instead of God's word. 
That's why we always say, you hear us say, test us and let God's word, you know. Jesus, the word of God, amen. We're nothing, man. We're but dust and God's given us life. So this is really, really scary. So they're calling for a second Pentecost. That's what, uh, see, Peter Wagner, who is basically the, you know, de facto founder of the New Apostolic Reformation. Uh, he's called Bethel Senior Pastor Bill Johnson, an apostle. Barbara Marks Hubbard, I mentioned, she calls it the planetary uh, uh, Pentecost, where they're waiting for this, this, this universal vibration, this universal hum, where everybody we join together. And to me, man, I can see the devil's fingerprints all over what's coming, guys. And it, it's heartbreaking because you have millions of people that are being inspired and influenced by these guys. And so when Satan brings the world together under Antichrist, Bill Johnson, these guys, don't believe, they believe that we're going to take over the earth, the Seven Mountain Mandate. So they're being set up for a huge deception. So I want to encourage you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, stay in the word. And what does God say about the future? He warns about a false revival. Jesus said, false Christ and false prophets arise, showing great signs and wonders, deceiving if possible, even the elect. Behold, behold I warn in advance. One last scripture I'll mention. The Bible says that the Antichrist in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 will come according with the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and all the sealness and righteousness in them that perish, who re- receive not the love of the truth, but believe the lie, had pleasure in wickedness. It's pretty scary. No, uh, it is really scary. And now, Joe, I have to ask us, you guys, are with, it's live, so we're doing this on the fly here. But we had two more questions we wanted to go over, but one is specific to the title of the entire card, and we've had at least 100 comments regarding possession of believers ah, on here today. comments already. We've got to deal with And that. we're already 10 minutes over our one-hour show. So, um, <laughs> typical I, of us. Very oh, typical. Oh, man, long sermons. Uh-oh. <laughs> Pragmatism. Um, but if they're clicking on that, keep it under 90 minutes to do their, their searches. They're not going to find this one, so we're going to try our best to keep it under that. Uh, marker. So, Joe, that is a big question for a lot of people. A lot of people are wondering, and, and I'll put this alongside Robert McKinley's recent question to us, because a number of people, they're naming the teachers, whether it's Derek Prince or Isaiah Salvador is more popular now uh, in terms of, you know, being a newer teacher. So we'll make this things. one on the exorcist or the... Uh deliverance. We'll make deliverance this the last machine. one. So this will be the last yeah. one. And then, Tabitha, if you're waiting for your answer, you will on our next live show, okay? Um, and we have some other questions. I've already written to some people. Several that we're going to get into. That, that we're going to be getting into in a couple weeks when um, we're back live in two Thursdays. But, but Joe, I, I, this is such an important topic, and there are people I know that love the Lord that disagree on this, but the practice is also very dangerous a lot of times. Um, we've seen this injure people, literally injure people, seeing people turn from the faith because of things like this and so forth. So it is really important before I even ask Rob McKinley's question, because I guess I can ask it and then deliver because he asks, what are your thoughts on deliverance ministries or a ministry that has the main focus of casting out demons out of Christians? So I guess to kind of go and piggyback on that question is, first and foremost, we're talking about entire ministries that are devoted specifically to getting demons out of believers, uh, roommates with the Holy Spirit. So is it possible for the Holy Spirit inside of a believer to be a roommate with a demon? So let's go from there. Yeah, well, uh, two questions, right? And I would say regarding one, that the focus is on deliverance and so forth. Uh, You know, I don't see... I believe that there's gifts like the sermon of spirits in Roman or First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve through fourteen. We see there's various different gifts that different believers can have. So I don't have a hard time with certain 
uh, obviously God's going to, I mean, God's given us the sermon of spirits in, in, in a lot of way where God's revealed a lot of things to us of, yeah. through scripture and what's going on in the world that we point out and so forth. And we also believe in praying for those who uh, somebody brings to us and uh, we're allowed to pray for them who they claim to be possessed. Uh, we've prayed for a number of people. Uh, we had a, a, somebody came to the fellowship and came off and on for a while. They lived out of town. They didn't travel here. A young man and his, I, I believe, wife or and they came and he said, hey, there was a guy on uh, the Nori show, the Coast to Coast program, which we don't recommend. It's very new agey. But he said he was, he, he said that he came on that program. And they were dealing with spirits and demons and stuff. And and he said, hey, I went to Blessed Oak Chapel. I flew down there out of state. I went to Blessed Oak Chapel and asked Pastor Joe Shimmel to pray for me. He asked, he said, he asked if he could say your name on on, on the on the program. And uh, and whoever was hosting the program at that time said yes. And Said he said Joe Schimmel. He goes. He prayed for me, and I was possessed, and I got deliverance from that demon that possessed me. And it made sense when he said that because I was getting letters just from just random people about you pray for me. I feel like I'm possessed by a demon. And I was wondering why I'm getting these letters from all different places. I'm like, it was really strange. And all of a sudden that happened. I go, ah, oh, that was that. That was because the Coast to Coast program. And so certainly we believe in praying for people who, uh, you know, want who want deliverance, uh, feel like they're possessed, and so forth. Uh, but we don't necessarily say, hey, we don't believe that there's a specific ministry in the church that casts demons out of Christians because we don't believe, and I'll share with you why, from a biblical standpoint, that genuine Christians can be possessed. We do believe they can be very seriously oppressed, uh, and we'll get into that a little bit from a theological level. But I've dealt with people that have been brought to the fellowship. I've dealt with a couple, uh, uh, Steve Davis and his brother brought me to their sister's house who was an adult living in the apartment and she was fully on in the occult that her library was all the new age and they said she's possessed you know you need to come over she's manifesting and i prayed up i went over there and they opened the door and i was like i felt like are we intruding you know like is this or can we even go in and she would lock herself in her room so you know i got the holy water no i'm just kidding we don't use holy water but i just i got prayed up man i was like lord god have Give us strength and wisdom because I don't know what's happening here. And all of a sudden, she bolts out of her room, runs toward me. I was standing by the front door still inside the, inside her uh, at home with her brothers. And as she ran to me, as she's running at me, and she said my name, I know you, Joe Schimmel. I'm like, whoa, I never met her before. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ. And as I got the name Jesus out, you know, and I don't even know exactly how I ended that, boom, she fell on the ground right in front of me. I was like, whoa. And I just, and then, and then I rebuked what was speaking through in the name of Jesus. We She came to her right mind to a degree we brought her to the, to the couch and we talked to her and kept praying and praying and then they called me the next day and said she's in her right mind praise God and I can share with you experience experiences several experiences like that that we had in, in ministry greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world if God be for us who be against us amen we're more than conquerors through Christ who loved us amen so we rely on the power of God this is very real and we have a lot of people that are involved in deliverance ministries that love our ministry because we deal with spiritual warfare and we deal with dealing with the demonic world and so forth but at the same time I have to speak truth according to our convictions is we don't believe that uh, Satan and uh, demons and the Holy Spirit are roommates occupying the same body uh, we do believe that uh, Christians can as I said be oppressed but the Bible says what fellowship does light have with darkness right in fact let me read the passage do not be bound together with unbelievers what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness what fellowship has light with darkness? What harmony has Christ with Belial? What has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God, and that's what we are, with idols? 
And Paul says the idols of the nations are demons, right? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among their midst and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you, and be, uh, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So we don't want to go beyond what's written, and nobody's ever been able to show me a scripture that ever, one scripture that says a born-again believer that has the Holy Spirit that's born again has a demon in them at the same time. You can't show me that scripture. I can show you scriptures like this that are really, really clear. I can show you scriptures where believers can be radically oppressed. Uh, look at the book of Job. I mean, he got afflicted from head from the head to toe by Satan, right? His a spirit hovered over him and his 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 hair stood on end, you know, when he was laying down. Uh, he went through some very horrifying experiences, even to where his body was affected. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, right? Against uh, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual with high places. This is a hand-to-hand combat. There's a, a spirit realm wrestling against us. It's, it's very, very real. Uh, demonic entities can speak into your heart as a Christian. They can... Uh, they can afflict you because we read and you can't say, oh, that's the Old Testament. That's Job in the Old Testament. doesn't apply to it. Yeah, it does. James chapter 5 talks about how we're supposed to consider the sufferings of Job. That's just after chapter 4 where he's talking about uh, the devil and resist him and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God and draw near to you. Then he talks about Job and how he's an example because he persevered during his suffering. So you can go through a lot of satanic attack as a, a, a Christian and be afflicted even by Satan. Satan was, uh, you know, Satan buffeted Paul, the apostle, right? And he cried out to the Lord three times, take this from me, right? And it says he was buffeted by Satan. Uh, Satan sifted Peter like wheat, you know, uh, and sought permission from the Father to do so. So it's important to understand that we can go through a lot of those types of experiences. But biblically, now this is where it gets, this is where I think will help out with regard to understanding. If somebody is possessed and they're claiming to be a Christian, saying, and they're, First of all, I think there's a lot of Christians who are under heavy oppression who aren't actually possessed. Satan's not actually living in their in the in the in their in their temple. However, I also think there's a lot of professing Christians who aren't really Christians who are possessed. And how does that work? Well, a Christian can go into, let's say they go to Bill Johnson's church, right? Let's say they start getting involved in all this occult activity. Let's say they were seeking the Lord, they were following the Lord, you know? Uh and they're seeking him, and and let's say they hear that, hey, you know what? Uh, we're going to go to grave, get some grave sucking, and man, and get power from these past saints who've died, right? And we're going to call upon angels, you know? And we're going to start getting these supernatural things, and we're going to start doing spells like Gandalf did in The Lord of the Rings, and all these stuff, these things have happened, right? Over at, uh, uh, you know, Supernatural School of Ministry at Bethel and stuff. And they start getting all these, and they, and they receive a different, they start getting the New Age movement. They say, I like this New Age Jesus, you know? This, this, we can have cosmic consciousness and, and everybody can be a, a, a small Christ. We can all be gods. You know, listen to the word faith teachers are listening to it, which is part and parcel. With, and they start getting into a different Jesus, right? And they start following this different Jesus. Well, guess what the scriptures say? Listen to what it says. It's pretty, well, I'll just mention it to you. Paul says, I fear less by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve, so your minds might be corrupted from your simple devotion to Christ. So, our minds can be corrupted from our simple devotion to Christ. How does that happen? Well, a verse I didn't quote right before that says, well, the verse I mentioned before that, I didn't mention, but he says he wants to uh, present us as a chaste virgin before the Lord, but he fears as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. So your minds, believers, Christians, he's writing to the saints, will be corrupted from your simple devotion to Christ, those who are truly following Christ. 
from your simple devotion to Christ and that you might what? Receive a different spirit. Believe in a different Jesus. Receive a different gospel and bear it beautifully. He says, for no marvel, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. So it's no big thing if his ministers transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. So what can happen, Chad, is a genuine believer can commit apostasy where they turn to a different Jesus, they turn over to these things, and then they re- and then guess what? When you commit apostasy and you reject the Lord and his truth and following Jesus, Paul talks about those branches that can be cut off. Or like Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, who has bewitched you? You know, he's talking to those who are receiving a different gospel. Chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, if we are an angel from heaven preaches another gospel to you than that which we preach, let him be accursed. Chapter 3, verse 1, who has bewitched you, right? Put a spell on you. It's pretty heavy. And then he talks about these people in chapter 5, 1 through 4, falling from grace and being cut off. So somebody could go into the Hebrew Roots movement and think they got to keep the law to be saved and they could be cut off. Somebody can not continue in belief, Romans chapter 11, and be cut off. Hebrews, right right here, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, they turn to a different gospel. They receive a different spirit. I believe there's a different spirit along with a lot of these false teachers in the NAR movement. And it's being passed around through the laying on of hands and everything else. And there's the demonic entities that people are getting possessed by. So I do believe there's a lot of people that are genuine Christians who aren't possessed, but they're heavily oppressed and they need prayer. They need fasting. They need us to cry out for them and seek the Lord on their behalf. They need instruction that's biblical and they need comfort and encouragement. But I also believe there's a lot of professing Christians who are possessed because they're not they're not, they don't, they're not born again. They've gone into apostasy. Some have gotten into just wicked behavior and they refuse to repent and they're handed over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh that they might repent, right? And be saved in the day of salvation. But they refuse to repent. They refuse to repent. They continue in rebellion. They continue in, in, in adultery. They continue in fornication. They continue in homosexuality. They continue in theft. They continue in wickedness and they're cut off and they're totally handed over to Satan and then they're possessed. But then they might still be going to church while they're doing all those things and then you've got them there saying, well, there's Christians that are possessed. So I'm giving you what I believe is the best biblical explanation of the phenomena that we're seeing. Not that we understand it perfectly, you know, but we, we look at it biblically. And, and we go by what the scriptures say. We don't go beyond what's written. So my heart breaks for anybody because before I was a Christian, I was, the enemy was big time, you know, in my life before I turned to Jesus. He's the deliverer. You know how I got deliverance? When I was you know, I was probably possessed or something, man. I was like going through states of paralysis and all these different things and channeling the spirits and everything. I called out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, man. And the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Greek word there means delivered, means to be saved. And I called out on the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I just cried out to God and that was enough for him to stop my experiences. But then I realized what was going on. Then I called out on the Lord Jesus Christ, man. He saved me. He washed my sins away. He filled me with his Holy Spirit. And now he uses us to his glory. That's what he wants to do with each and every one of you. He loves you. Whoever you are, man, what you need to do is embrace Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're in wicked behavior, you repent, man, so you can be a vessel used for his service. If you're involved in false doctrine or a different Jesus or in the New Age movement or the occult, you repent and get right with God. If you're like, man, Joe, I'm, I'm, I'm going through, I'm a Christian, but I, I, I love Jesus, but I'm hearing voices. I'm going through all this persevere in the faith, pray and cry out. The Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the devil and stand in the evil day. I read one more, I'll read one more passage to you because sometimes I believe it fasting is required. Isaiah chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. And I don't say you have to fast to get delivered, but I think sometimes that bolsters our prayers. 
And some will cite the passage which says where Jesus said to the disciples, this one comes out not but by prayer and fasting. I don't cite that, that because that's a, not not in the oldest manuscripts, but you do see a lot of emphasis on prayer and you see a lot of emphasis on fasting in the scripture to be set free. Isaiah chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Is this the fast I have chosen, a day for a man to deny himself, to bow his head like a reed and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? He says, Isn't this the fast I have chosen? To break the chains of wickedness, to unite the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and tear off every yoke. If you're dealing with somebody, you're trying to help somebody who's plagued by demonic entities and they're very real in this warfare, it's very real, pray and cry out to God on their behalf. Use the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should have a whole episode one time on dealing with demon-possessed people, you know, and we will, Lord willing, not too long from now. But pray uh, resist the devil, uh, seek the Lord, encourage them to be sincere. That's the key, to have a sincere faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they will in time be delivered. Uh, and it's so important, guys, and, and I, see, I see a lot of people here, kind of cool, a lot of you guys seem to be understanding more where we, where we stand on the issue, because a lot of people will, uh, Joe, they go to the more the other extreme, that, oh, really, you know, the demonic activity stuff, that's the weird stuff, we don't want to get into that. But there needs to be a reality of the spiritual warfare that's going on, it's as you mentioned, real. specifically yeah. even having to deal with people where you watch them get delivered. But those were non-believers. Those people without the Holy Spirit. You quoted 2 Corinthians chapter 6. That's after the cross. That's after Amen. Pentecost. That is with the Holy Spirit dwelling in believers. And the entire point is we have nothing in common. That's why we shouldn't be unevenly yoked with them. We have nothing in common with them. Why? Because believers are what? They are the temple of the Holy Spirit, Amen, bro. where the non-believer is what? A temple of idols. They have the ability to be possessed by demons. So we want to make sure that, or otherwise, that juxtaposition that Paul is describing doesn't matter. You make the text meaningless when you take from it and just say, well, that's not what he's meaning there. No, that is what he's meaning there. He's showing you the difference between a believer and a non-believer. And Amen. I'm really encouraged by a lot of the comments on here. You guys are, are a blessing. And for you guys... We've been putting out a number of the clips on our YouTube channel for our most recent documentary that just came out, the first part of a seven-part series, which is, Mar you can go to marveldcexposed.com, and the video is titled, Marvel and DC's War on, God, on War on God, the Antichrist Agenda is the first part. So you guys can check that out at marveldcexposed.com, and I believe, Tony just told me we are about to receive the DVD version you see, Praise we put this Lord, out. Man. Yeah, we put this out in digital form so that everyone could get their hands on it immediately and as soon as possible. But we've been getting a ton of messages from people asking us, "Can I get a DVD for this? Can I get a DVD for this?" The answer is almost yes. All right, so we are. And we are going to put an evangelism pack together. Where we have several of them that you can buy at a very reduced rate, so you can pass it out because. If you've seen it, you're like, I want everybody to see this. <laughs> There's so many people engulfed in this lie, and Marvel's so huge. But we're going to try to make that uh, that desire, because I have that desire. We pass out, they sold their souls. We pass out a lot yeah. of things. We witness, I want to pass this out. No, and that's the that's the most awesome thing, too, is wanting to get this gospel message out. And for those who are wondering, we are going to be putting out a couple of free videos. I'm not going to give out too, much, too many details, but we're going to be putting out an entire, ser or entire video out that covers all of them that we'll put on YouTube. So what we're going to do is upload it in a way that we don't get dinged and kicked off of YouTube for using clips, but we're going to get it up there for you so you can get really a lot of the meat there so that you can say, hey, this press copy, paste, 
and send it to friends to Amen. see them get saved. So Looking we're ex- we're excited about that. There's a ton of stuff going on at Good Fight Ministries right now. So keep us in prayer. If you guys want, as I said, a lot of the que- all of the questions that you guys saw us answer today came from those who are Patreon subscribers. Patreon.com slash goodfight. On uh, next Thursday, I want to give a little bit, I'll, I'll give a little bit of housekeeping because I got a couple minutes here. Next Thursday, we are going to be doing a show on apostasia. It's an argument from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 from those who teach a certain doctrine regarding the word and you get to, get to see some eisegesis used as we use some exegesis on that day. So we're I'll excited for that. I'll just say this real quickly that yep. the top, most probably most renowned pre-trip scholar right now Thomas I wasn't even Ice. getting that part away, Ooh, Joe. I, I think it's getting away. <laughs> Wet your appetite, man, because he was on the radio some time back uh, with uh, uh, Tom McMahon, who we've had preached at our church a couple times. I love Tom, but uh, when we came out with Let Behind Let Astray, there was, you know, uh, some messed up things being said that weren't biblical. And, uh, well, they got together the radio show and said, because we said, hey, there's 10000 bucks that we were making available that time if you would give us just one clear pre-trib verse that actually states that the rapture will take place before the Antichrist comes. Nobody could do it, but they said, ah, we think we have the verse. And they say, apostasia, right? You're really isn't the falling away. King James says, it translates, many will fall away. But ah, no, no, King James is wrong right there. It really has to, it's really the rapture. And they talk about us and so forth. And well, we're going to look into it and say, well, does it really mean the rapture? I think, just to make sure we, you don't say, oh, well, no, some of you are saying, no, I definitely want to see it. No, you're definitely going to want to see it. And it's an important topic. It's going to become more and more important. But also, so that means that a week from that day, a week from Thursday, we're going to be back here answering some of the questions we did not get to, specifically on things like, is Sunday worship the mark of the beast? And what should I do if my kids who are playing music want to play old satanic music? And so we're going to dig into some of those questions. A lot of questions we get to this time. And others, and we cannot wait to get into it. So thank you guys so much for joining us. I'm Chad Davidson, and this is Pastor Joe Schimmel. Love you guys. Jesus, you guys. And this is the Good Fight Radio Show. Love you guys. God bless you guys. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.